This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Amen. Welcome to Wednesday night. Amen. Hey, we're, we're almost uh, halfway through or, uh, this week, and uh, it's going to be an exciting next few days. Amen. Uh, today, we have Pastor John with us. Pastor John is uh, the director of uh, um, college, uh, tr- tell us, uh, the School of Ministry is what, I, what it's called. The school. I was trying to say college because you confused me today with your text saying college. But it's the School of Ministry. He's the director of School of Ministry at Church 1132 here in Allen, Texas. And man, uh, those guys are doing an amazing job training young people for the ministry. And uh, Pastor John's going to share a little more about that uh, today. And uh, I believe he's going to be a blessing. I don't know how many of y'all were here last year when Pastor John was here. Amen. Uh, there were a few people from last year that we invited back. And if we invited them back, they did something right. Last. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, man, it's not that. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that says, hey, invite people back. And uh, we have Pastor John back here today. And uh, Pastor John, I'm excited for what God has to speak through you. And I believe it's going to be from God. Amen. Are you guys ready to receive from the Lord? Would you put your hands together and give Pastor John a welcome today? Put your hands together. Thank you, Pastor John. Minister to us, sir. All right. Y'all, it's so good to be here in the house of God. I love being in church. You know, there's no greater place to be than in the house of God. And, um, I'm so honored to be invited back a second time, and uh, I get, yeah, if I did something right, that's amazing. It's always, always encouraging to hear. Uh, you guys are in the middle of a fast, is that true? Uh, so what day are we on? On the, on the day number 17. So we just got off of our fast, so I'm currently eating. And uh, there's just something about being on a fast that you just past restaurants and you're like, man, why don't I eat more? Why don't, when I'm eating, like, why don't I go to Five Guys more? Why don't I go to Panda Express more? I should enjoy this more. So I don't know if you guys are doing a full fast, just liquids or what you're doing, but I know this, every time we fast, it, 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 it's not twisting the arm of God, it's shifting our heart right? It's not manipulating God to do something. It's actually causing my mind and my heart to come into alignment with what he is saying and with what he is doing. And um, as pastor was saying, I, uh, my, my name is John. I'm a pastor at Church 1132. So I lead 1132 Leadership College. I lead our school of ministry. I'm on our preaching team. Uh, I am a dad of two and uh, I am a husband. I will be married for 10 years this June. And uh, I got married at 19 years old old, y'all. And uh, I don't recommend that everybody does that, but it's worked out well for us. And uh, I'm just so privileged to bring you guys the word uh, today. I've been preaching for over half of my life. So I started preaching at 14 years old. I remember my very first message was to fifth and sixth graders in a Sunday school classroom, and I preached on all seven churches of Revelation uh, to these kids, uh, probably really out of context, probably way too harsh. I was telling these fifth graders, I was like, hey, you got to be hot or cold or God's going to spit you out of his mouth. It was an intense, it was an intense time. Uh, I've been preaching for over half my life. I was basically born in church. My brother's a pastor. My mom is a worship leader. And I just want to tell you this. I've never been more convinced than that God is on the move than right now. There are a lot of people who would propose and say that the world is getting worse and worse. I have a problem with that because Jesus said of the increase of his government, there will be no end. 
Jesus said that the glory of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Jesus prayed that his kingdom would come, his will would be done on earth like it is in heaven. So I am not of the persuasion that the world is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and then one day Jesus is going to rescue us at the last minute. I believe that the people of God are commissioned by God to make disciples of every single nation. Do you believe that? That this that we can actually see a revival globally that can totally shift our culture, that can totally shift our politics, that can totally shift everything about us. One word from God can change everything. And I don't want you to underestimate what a select group of people who are committed and devoted to him can do. I don't want you to underestimate what God can do through the people in this room. Do you remember there were 12 people in the book of Acts who said, I'll give God my yes. And when those 12 people gave God their yes, when they were walking on the horizon and people said, those who have flipped the world upside down have come here as well. What if there was a mandate and a mantle on commission church that was so significant and so real that when people see you in Plano, they say, those who have shaken this city, those who have turned the world upside down have come here as well. I just I want to encourage you. I want to build your faith. I'm going to get to the scripture here in just a moment, uh, but I want to build your faith for, for a moment and increase your expectancy. How many of you know that what God does in a room has little to do with the preacher that is standing on the stage and everything to do with the expectancy of the people who are in the seats? You remember there was a woman who had an issue of blood who saw Jesus on the horizon. She presses through the crowd, and the Bible says that there are a lot of people grabbing a hold of Jesus. A lot of people were touching Jesus, but for some reason, when she grabbed a hold of Jesus, she got a healing. Because it's, it does not matter so much that you're in the right place at the right time. You've got to be in the presence of God and be of an attitude of faith. Uh, I'll give you an example. I almost missed my flight uh, a couple of months ago. Anybody ever ran through an airport? Anybody ever almost miss a flight? It's a terrifying experience. Now, this time was unique. I didn't get to the airport late. In fact, I got to the airport an hour and a half on time. I was at my gate. I was at the right time. Uh, at the right place, and uh, but I had been traveling for the last 14 days. I just had an overnight flight uh, to Phoenix, and I had one more flight to get home. I was exhausted. I was traveling with a guy, and uh, I just, I told him, or I didn't tell, excuse me, I didn't tell him. I laid down at the gate, and I said, I'm just going to take a quick nap, and when it's time to board the flight, he'll wake me up. The problem was he was thinking, I'm just going to take a quick nap. And when it's time to board, Pastor John will wake me up. And so I, I lay down. He lays down. We are asleep. And we are out, out. I'm talking like drool falling down our face, sleeping. And I wake up an hour and a half later to my friend slapping me on the leg, saying, and I hear the words, last call for Dallas. And so I'm running. I'm grabbing my luggage. I run up to the gate. And I, I try to joke around with this this uh, lady from American Airlines, I'm like, uh, hey, I just had to get that nap in, you know, and she's like, yeah, yeah, you almost missed your flight. She didn't think it was funny. Fortunately, I was able to get on the, on the plane, but here's the principle is I was in the right place at the right time, but I almost missed it because I was sleeping. And here you are, you're in a fast, you're at Commission Church, you're in the right place at the right time, but just because you're here does not mean you're going to get what you're looking for. What's going to cause you to get the breakthrough that you desire? It's going to cause you to get the breakthrough that you need in your family, in your life, in your marriage, in your health, in your situation is not just being in the room. 
But it is being in the room and saying, Jesus, I am convinced that you can do anything. I am fully persuaded. And I'm just praying right now that God would wake our spirits up so that when he's ready to take you to a new level, when he's ready for you to board the plane, when he's ready for you to go to new heights, I'm awake to it. Amen. And today I just want to talk about, I know when we're in the middle of a fast, God can speak. Whether he speaks through his word or he speaks in a time of prayer, God speaks in these times, and I really just want to talk about this. I have a simple word for you, and it's simply this. I don't want you to underestimate the power of the Word of God. Whether it's in His Word that we read in the Bible or a word that He speaks, His Word is powerful. I'm going to start in two different places of Scripture. Jeremiah 23, verse 28, and then we're going to make our way over to Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones. But I want to show you this, Jeremiah 23, 28 and 29 in the NIV, it says, let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream, but let the one who has my words speak it faithfully for what is straw to do with grain declares the Lord. And then watch this. The Bible says this, God says this is not my word like a fire declares the Lord and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. God is saying to the people in this text, in the book of Jeremiah, I want you to understand something. My word is powerful. My word is not inefficient or ineffective. My word is not dead words on a page. My word is like a double-edged sword. You know this Hebrews chapter 4. My word is sharper than any double-edged sword. It can divide soul and spirit, joint and marrow. My word is powerful. It's like a fire, which means everything it touches changes. It's like a fire, which means it can purify. It's like a hammer, which means it can forge, or it means it can destroy. It can break a rock to pieces. It can destroy or shatter an addiction. I want you to understand today that there is power in the Word of God. That there is unfathomable, unimaginable weight to the words that God speaks. In fact, I, I, I would propose to you this. If you have trouble believing that God's word is powerful, think about how powerful he is. The Bible teaches us this, that God is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. He knows everything. God has never learned anything. God has never had a revelation. The Bible teaches us that he is omnipresent. David says, if I could go to the highest place of the heavens, you're there. If I could descend into the depths of hell, you're there. There's no space that God does not occupy. In fact, you are breathing in oxygen that is infiltrated with the presence of God right now. Every square inch of this room is infiltrated with Jesus. He is everywhere. There's no space on the earth that he does not occupy. The Bible also teaches us that he is omnipotent, which means he is what? All, does anybody know? All powerful, which means there's no sickness that God cannot heal. And there's no addiction that God cannot break. And there's no storm that God cannot speak peace to. There is nothing that my God cannot do. So if God is that powerful, imagine what happens when he says something. If God's presence is that powerful, uh, Psalm chapter 97 says the mountains melt like wax before the Lord. If everything shifts and changes just when he walks into the room, imagine what would happen if that God says something, right? And in fact, I would even say this, that the, the authority of somebody's words are confirmed by the effect that the words have. Like, imagine for a second uh, that somebody wakes up in Plano today and decides that they are now the, the king of Plano. 
They wake up this morning and they say, I am the king of Plano. And they dress up like a king and they talk like a king and they build a throne like a king and they sit on a throne like a king and they're walking into Kroger and making decrees. A couple things would happen. We would call a psychiatric hospital and have them admitted and get them some help. But secondly, they would be exposed when the words that they say, the decrees that they make, don't actually have any power. And, and God is letting us know today that he is not just dressing up like a king pretending to be a king or sitting on a throne like a king or saying that he's a king, he actually is a king. Which means the words that he speaks actually have power. And I know we know the word of God. We memorize the word of God, post the word of God. We've got the word of God on our pillows. We've got Psalm 23 on our walls. We've got Romans chapter 6 memorized. But the reality is the Bible that you memorize intellectually can actually transform you internally. And that's what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about the power of the word of God. It's like a fire. It's like a hammer that breaks the rock to pieces. But we need to understand this. The word of God is not powerful for you until you partner with the word of God. The word of God is not powerful for you, for your family, for your situation until you grab a hold of the word of God, internalize it by faith, believe it and release it into your situation. And today we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 37, a famous, a famous passage of scripture. But this shows us a, an instance where somebody partners with the word of God and it changes everything. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10. I'm going to be reading in the English Standard Version. You know what the best version of the Bible is? It's the one that you read, okay? Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. Everyone say the middle. It was full of bones. And he he led me around among them, and behold, there was very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you, and it will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, so I declared the word of God that I received as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to these breath, to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, to me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet in an exceedingly great army. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you so much. We thank you that your power is not on a natural gifting, that your power is not on man-made intellect, but there is infinite power that rests on your work. And I ask you right now to call every single man of God, woman of God to attention to your word right now. Lord, I I arrest every distraction in the name of Jesus. And we ask for the prophetic word of the Lord to go forth with power in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. Quick note for context, Ezekiel chapter 37 is, um, we, we see the context in Ezekiel chapter 36. God is speaking to Ezekiel and he says, even though my people Israel have walked away from me with great compassion, I'm going to gather them again and I'm going to revive them again. And Ezekiel 37 is God showing Ezekiel, this is what the resurrection of the children of Israel is going to look like. And so while this is primarily about Israel, Um, coming from death to life. I believe it is also a great picture for you and I. Number one, that even in our most dead state, we can come alive again. But number two, it shows us what the power, what it looks like for the people of God to partner with the word of God. And this is what I'm going to go into uh, today. I'm just going to pull three thoughts right out of this text. Look back at verse two. Verse two uh, says, Ezekiel sees the dry bones. And as He sees the dry bones. He makes an observation. He says they were very what? The bones were very what? They were very dry. And then God asks the question in response to Ezekiel's observation. He says, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, in his infinite wisdom, just responds to God and says, God, you know the answer to the question that you just asked. This is a life hack that Ezekiel is giving you, that if, Ezekiel, that if God ever asks you a question, you can just respond and say, God, you know the answer to the question. But Ezekiel was teaching us a powerful principle. He was saying, I can give you an opinion. I can give you my perspective. But what matters most is not what I see. What matters most, God, is what you say. And so here's thought number one for you. If we're going to see dead bones come to life around us, here's thought number one. We've got to see God's perspective. See God's perspective. I think a problem a lot of believers have is we make our observations conclusions. We make what we see to have the final say. And Ezekiel is saying, God, I can give you a thought. I can give you a perspective. I can give you an opinion. But at the end of the day, what matters most is not my opinion. What matters most is what you're declaring over these dead bones. We have made our observations to be conclusions. I'm broken right now. I'll always be broken. My family members are lost right now. They'll always be lost. I'm sick in my body, I'm sick in my mind, I'm sick in my heart, I'll always be sick. But the reality is, our observations is not, are not conclusions. The conclusion that we have to make and that we have to lean into is whatever God's word says. God did not say to Ezekiel, are the bones dry? God did not say to Ezekiel, are the bones dead? God said to Ezekiel, can the bones live? So God was saying, Ezekiel, I don't want you to stay fixated on the current problem. I want you to stay fixated on the potential. And I think that's a word for, for Commission Church today is we are, we are great. We are brilliant. We're wonderful at noticing problems. <laughs> Turn on the news for five minutes and you will learn we are brilliant at seeing problems. And God is saying, it's great that you can see a problem. But guess who else can do that? Everybody. You know what the people of God need to start doing? Seeing problems and realizing that there is potential in the midst of that problem. That that problem is actually an invitation for God to transform it. Did you hear what I just said? Every problem that you see is an invitation for God to step into the middle of it and transform it. Sickness is an invitation for healing. Addiction is an invitation for freedom. Brokenness is an invitation for healing to be released. I want you to understand that problems are an invitation for solutions. We are great at identifying problems, but God said, I don't want you to see the problem. I want you to see the potential. When I was in Bible college, 
I went to Bible school in an area that um, wasn't great, okay? And uh, I remember the, the dean of men when I was a student taking us out into this area, taking us out onto the street and asking us the question, what do you see? And I remember looking and seeing, uh, I see cars that are driving too fast and I see trash on the ground and I see homelessness and in that homelessness I see addiction. I see an area that is broken, that is fractured, that is um, impoverished, that is scary, that is crime ridden. And he's showing us, he's asking us these questions. We don't know what he's doing. And then he takes us, it was me and about 14 other guys. He took, he took us into the dorm where we lived. It was a 10 story building. He took us up to the 10th floor. And then he take us. He took us to the roof access. And then he walked to the edge of the roof and he asked us the same question that he asked us on the ground. What do you see? It was the most beautiful picture of the Dallas skyline. It was breathtaking. It was beautiful. And here's the powerful thing about this story is my location didn't change. My perspective was simply elevated. Nothing changed. If you were to look on Apple Maps at my location, you would not see my little blue dot move hardly at all. The only thing that changed was not where I was at locationally or geographically. What changed was my perspective was elevated. I want you to know if you live your whole life on the ground, all you're going to see is dry bones. All you're going to see is the death of the bones, uh, uh, the problem of the bones. But the moment you get a higher perspective, or I could say this, the moment you get heaven's perspective is the moment you can see there's actually potential in the place that I stand right now. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your marriage is like, what your kids are like, what your relationships are like. But here's what I do want you to know. If you get heaven's perspective, you would see that God is not asking, are the bones dry? He's asking, can they live? Can they come alive and the question today is not is your marriage dead the question is can it live the question is not is Plano dead in religion the question is can it come alive to the glory of God friends the question is not is America far from God the question is can we see a third great awakening that changes everything about our nation and I would propose to you the moment God asks the question can it live he's not asking because he does not know he's asking you because he wants you to see what he says, sees that absolutely they can live absolutely he can cause dead bones to come alive in a moment absolutely God can take everything that is fractured and broken in your life and cause it to come alive there is possibility where you stand. Verse 3, Ezekiel says, God, you know the answer to the question. Can these bones live? Now, at this point, Ezekiel is probably asking the question, what are we doing here? This is a turbulent time, a scary time, and God brings Ezekiel into a valley of dead people potentially scary and so he's probably wondering God what are we doing here and God answers the question in verse 4 he says then he said to me prophesy over these bones and say to them oh dry bones hear the word of the Lord why are you here you're here to prophesy why did I place you in the valley to prophesy God says, Ezekiel, I did not put you in the midst of a valley of dry bones so that you could be sad about the bones or so that you could learn how to function surrounded by dead things or so that you could even endure in the midst of the valley. I brought you here to change the environment where you stand. 
So if we're going to see dead things come alive, we've got to see God's perspective. But here's number two. We've got to see the assignment. I want you to know today, God did not place you in a valley because he is cruel. God placed you in a valley because you're called. Did you know that the answer to the valley around you is the spirit that is within you? Can I just say this? God put you in that marriage. God put you in that family. Young people, God put you in that school. God put you in that workplace, surrounded by all those toxic people, surrounded by all those negative Nancys. Guess what? God, if, if, if you are, it, the Bible says the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. So wherever you're at locationally, whatever uh, church you are a part of, whatever ministry you are in, what, 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 whatever school you're in or business you're in, God has placed you there. Not so that you can keep your head down and just survive in the midst of death. God has placed you there so that you can transform the environment that you're in. You are on an assignment. God has placed you in Plano, not so that you can just look at the Valley of Dry Bones and be really sad about the state of culture. God has placed you here to absolutely transform it. God has not put you here to endure it, but to transform it. Can we talk about this in the context of church just for a minute? So I remember being, in a, being a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor in Mississippi for five years. And uh, I remember one particular moment, uh, there was a student that came up to me. I was at the school and they said, hey, I came to your youth ministry and I don't think I'm ever coming back. I said, oh, I'm sorry. Why are you not coming back? And this, this young lady said to me, because I walked through the doors and nobody greeted me. I said two things to her. I said, number one, I'm so sorry. Someone should have been there. They were scheduled to be there. Their planning center was green. <laughs> Come on, accept your PCO requests. They weren't there. So number one, I'm so sorry. And number two, welcome to the greeting team. Listen, church would totally change if instead of seeing ourselves as consumers, we saw ourselves as contributors. Can I help you with something? If you see something that you think is problematic in a church, it is not an indication that I need to run away from that church. It's an indication that the mantle or the calling or the burden is on you to actually solve the problem. So if you walk in and nobody greets you, go ahead and stand at the door and start welcoming people. I don't know if I'm messing this up. If you need to clean it up, you're like, hey, we have a process for this. <laughs> if you see a mess, rather than folding your arms and being like, oh, nobody cleaned that up, why don't you go ahead and pick up a mop? You can either mope about it, or you can pick up a mop and start cleaning something, right? Oh, well, that church just wasn't really passionate about their worship. When's the last time you lifted your voice above everybody else? Oh, well, they're not really an evangelistic church. Go ahead and become an evangelist. Disciple other people to do the same, and solve the problem that you see. There's every problem that you see, there are two revelations. Number one, there's a problem. Number two, smile, you're the solution. Because if you see a problem, it is an indication that you are burdened by the problem. And if you're burdened by the problem, God's put the answer on the inside of you. Burden is one of the primary indications that you are called. So rather than running from dry bones, let's stand in the middle of them and prophesy them. You, you are called to solve the problems that you See, not just in a church context, but in the world that you live in. Friends, the waymaker lives in you. Yeah. Yes. The spirit of God lives in you. 
I know you've heard the scripture a thousand times, but the same spirit. You know, preachers love that verse. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. How many times have we heard it, but how many times have we lived it is my question. The spirit of God lives in you. The deliverer lives in you. The way maker lives in you. I don't know if you guys know any throwback worship songs, but there's this old worship song that I've been playing on repeat. It goes like this. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors, sets the captives free. You know this one? I've got a river of... She's like, yeah, I know it. I'm like, I believe you, girl. You're singing right with me. Here's what we need to understand. The pastor, while amazing, is not the river of life. This house, while it is amazing, is not the river of life. Worship movement, Mav City, Upper Room, while they are incredible, is not the river of life. You know what the river of life is? It's on the inside of you. Jesus said it like this, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I'm not talking to preachers or pastors or prophets or worship teams. I'm talking to every single person in this room that calls Jesus their Savior. There's a river of life that's on the inside of you. So when you see problems, you know I'm called to solve that problem. Did you know... Did you know that God has always used people? He, he has always used people. For every Goliath, there is a David. For every Jericho, there is a Joshua. For every Nebuchadnezzar, there is a Daniel. For every sea, there is a Moses. God has always used people. And, and we oftentimes, we see problems in society and culture and our job. We're like, God, solve the problem. And he's like, I called you to do that. I remember I was in... Um, I was in Starbucks in Mobile, Alabama. I used to write my messages in this particular Starbucks. And I'll invite the worship team to, to come and join me. I'm going to wrap up this ASAP. Uh, <laughs> you know that old preacher joke who will give me five more minutes? You know, that one, I need five, 10, 15, 20. It's like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, we got we to we cut that out. Um, so I was in this Starbucks, and... Um, I used to write my messages in Starbucks, and when I write my messages, I deeply feel my messages. And so I remember I was writing my message in this Starbucks, and the baristas would know me as the crying guy because I would just come and I'd throw my AirPods in, and I'd be writing a message, and I'd just be tears streaming down my face. And they were like, there's a problem with this guy. Clearly, he's emotionally unstable. We don't know what it is. And so every time I'd walk in, they'd be like, here we go. He's about to make the, the vibes awkward. And, uh, and so I remember going into... Um, Going into the Starbucks on a Wednesday, it was just a regular day for me, and I was uh, ordering my latte. It was around Christmas time. If you're curious about what my Christmas order is, it's a peppermint white mocha with an extra, extra whip, extra topping, extra sprinkles. If you think that's a girly drink, I'm just going to say to you black coffee people, I don't believe you that you say you like black coffee, okay? I just don't believe you. It's disgusting, and peppermint white mochas are better. Anyway, I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> Like as the keys fade in. <laughs> um, so it's around Christmas time and I'm standing there, I'm waiting on my drink and I see this big box. And uh, I see signage next to it and, and this box is um, to be filled with toys uh, for kids who are less fortunate around Christmas time and who wouldn't get gifts unless people donate. 
So out of curiosity, I walk up to this box, I look on the inside of it, and I see that it's empty. And there was just something about seeing humanity buy $6 lattes and reject giving to a need that broke my heart. And so I'm standing there, and I start to do my little like Lou Engle rock thing. If you know, you know. And the baristas are like, here he goes. He's about to go. He's about to go. And you know, the tears start flowing. And I start having a pity party. God, the box is empty. God, the box is empty. What are we going to do? Oh my gosh, how have we gotten here as a society to where we will indulge and consume and not contribute? God, the box is empty. What are we going to do? And God said, yeah, what are you going to do? I said, touche, Lord. And so I got into my truck and I drove to the Walmart and the baristas called Walmart. They're like crying guys coming to you, get security ready. And I walk in and I must have looked crazy because I walked into the toy aisle crying and I'm selecting toys and I'm throwing in in my car and I'm praying over them like Paul prayed over handkerchiefs. God's going to heal some people. That's a joke, but kind of. It was maybe a little bit real. And so I go back into the Starbucks and I fill the box. And as I was remembering that story, God told me, he said, I loved your tears, but I loved your action even more. Did you know that if you see an empty box, it's not just an indication that it's time to cry. It's an indication that it's time to go pay up and fill the box. For every David, let me say it again, for every Goliath, there is a David. For every Jericho, there is a Joshua. For every Nebuchadnezzar, there is a Daniel. For every Pharaoh, there is a Moses. For every empty box, for every problem in culture, for every broken marriage, for every sick person that you see on the street, guess what? There's a you. There's a me. There's an us. I've got to see God's perspective. I've got to see the assignment. And then I've got to declare the word. God gave Ezekiel this prophetic word. Don't miss this. God gave Ezekiel this prophetic word. Speak to the bones. And as God gives this powerful prophetic word, guess what? Nothing happened. God says, I'm going to make breath enter these bones. And the things that were dead are going to become an army and God shares this powerful word his word is like a hammer his word is like a fire and yet when God speaks nothing happens until Ezekiel grabs a hold of the word and prophesies the word friends there are promises on your life that are powerless until you grab a hold of them there are prophetic words over your family that are powerless until you release them encourage you to if you would just stand with me it's great to hear the word I'm challenging you to become prophetic declarers of the word It's great that we can hear pastors preach 
and even memorize the scripture, but it is an entirely different thing when you take the word of God and you prophesy it into your situation. If you've got dead bones all around you, or maybe you are the dead bones, here's the encouragement that I want to give you to make like Ezekiel and put a word on it. You're struggling with anxiety, put a word on it. What word do I put on it? Perfect peace shall he give to those whose mind is stayed on him. Put a word on it. God, you are. Your Bible says that you are the Prince of Peace. You're dealing with depression? Put a word on it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You're dealing with a life without the fruit of the Spirit? Put a word on it. John chapter 15, if I abide in you and you in me, I will bear much fruit. Declare the word of God as Ezekiel prophesied. The Bible says there was a rattling, there was a shaking, there was a stirring. And as he began to prophesy, the Bible says bone to bone came together and they stood up. And now here's where we're going to go with the message. Can you pull up verse 8 for me? Verse 8 of Ezekiel chapter 37. And I looked. And behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But watch this, but there was no breath in them. The only thing, the only difference between Ezekiel and these standing bones was breath, the breath of God. And I think that this verse is a great picture of the church today. We're not quite the dead bones, but we're also not the army. We're not quite lifeless, but we're not quite prophesying. We, we are somewhere in between bones and filled with breath. But the next verse, God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to the four winds and I will cause my breath to enter them and what was once dead became an army in a moment where God breathed and I believe over these next few moments I feel the spirit of God already but I believe in these next few moments the breath of God is going to fill this room and Jesus is going to breathe on this house and Jesus is going to breathe fresh life into you so right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed all across this room, Holy Spirit, we invite you. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, would you come? If you're in this place and you just need the breath of God just to fill you all over again, you want the Spirit of God to fill you all over again, on the count of three, would you just stretch both hands to heaven? And I want you to know there's something about obedience that releases and unlocks the power of God. 
And so I want you to know that when you lift your hands, God's going to respond with his power. The moment that you lift your hands up in faith, I believe God's breath is going to enter this place. So if you're in this room and you say, God, I need you to breathe on me, breathe on my life, breathe on my heart, breathe on my mind. On the count of three, I just want you to slip both hands in the air. One, two, three. Come on, just both hands right now. Come on, hands going up all over this place. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come now. Come on, if you're hungry for the presence of God, if you're hungry for the breath of God to touch your life, would you just begin to ask him right now, Lord, would you fill me? And right now, God, just like Ezekiel, I prophesy to the four winds, and I say, blow, breath of God. Breathe, breath of God, on these slain, that they may live. Fill us with power again. Fill us with your breath again in the name of Jesus. Come on, can we just take a few minutes and worship? Oh, we love you, we love you, we love you.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, the breath of God's about to blow in this place. I don't want to miss anything that you're doing, Jesus. I don't want to disengage. Lord, I, I fix my eyes on you right now. I believe God's about to do something significant. I'm going to lay hands on people here in just a moment. For those who just lifted their hands and said, I want the breath of God, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar here in just a moment. I want to pray for you. Uh, This lady here in the third row, you're wearing white on the right side. Yeah, yeah, you just looked over. Yes, yes. Can I pray for you? Yeah, come here. Would you just lift your hands? Father, I thank you for a woman of God. Lord, I thank you for breakthrough in her family. Breakthrough in her family. Breakthrough in her family in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the people that she's been praying for. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that even though she's been praying for, I'm just here in seven years, maybe it's been longer, but God, I thank you in the name of Jesus that even after all these years, God, you're still hearing her prayers. You're still collecting her tears in a bottle. And I thank you in the name of Jesus that you are hearing her request. And we just partner with her right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that when two or three agree as touching one thing, it shall be done. So we just ask you in the name of Jesus for breakthrough, for breakthrough, for breakthrough. Do you have kids? Yeah, are you praying for your kids? Yeah, are you praying for your daughter? Yeah, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, God, that she's coming home, she's coming home, she's coming home. Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus. You have five? You have five, wow. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for legacy. Yeah. Yeah, and this is what the Holy Spirit's speaking to me, is that what he has put on the inside of you is not going to stop with you, but it's going to trickle down into your lineage in the name of Jesus. Not just your kids, but your future grandkids. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that there's going to be a long legacy of fruit, of ministry, of life in the name of Jesus. And you've been pouring out a lot. And I just ask God, Lord, your word says that those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And I just ask you right now to fill her up now. Fill her with your breath. Fill her with your life in Jesus' name. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Now, in Jesus' name, an infusion of courage. An infusion of faith. An infusion of boldness. God, I thank you that you're restoring her fight. You're restoring her intercession. You're restoring her prayer times in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, I thank you that you're giving her prophetic dreams again that she'll journal about again. Get that journal back out. Write about it again in Jesus' name. Dust off old prophetic words and just begin to declare those again in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fill her now. Fill her now. Fill her now. If you, if you raised your hand and said, I just want the breath of God to fill me afresh, well, I'm just going to ask you to be bold. Would you just, would you just come here to the, to the front as we continue to pray? And I just want to pray for a few people. If you lifted your hands, God, fill me afresh. As we continue to worship, I'm just going to open up these altars as we pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Yeah, let's fix our eyes on Jesus just for a few more moments. Before we pray, let's just lift our hands. Let's, we, we set our eyes on you, Jesus. 
We set our mind on you, Jesus. Thank 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 you, Jesus. Let's just bring it down. Let's just bring it down. Just the keys. Just the keys and the voices. We invite your presence, Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. Because you are my one. you Jesus I just want to be obedient to the Lord I'm just I know this message has been about believing for breakthrough in your situation and declaring the word over your situation but I just hear Holy Spirit saying put put your list to the side for a moment and just adore me put your needs to the side for a moment and just exalt me There's an invitation in this room just to fall in love with Jesus all over again, to return to our first love. 
We're just going to do that again all over this place. Let's just set our eyes on Jesus. Oh, Lord, take us back to our first love. Oh, when you were all we wanted. Oh, when you were my first thought when I woke up in the morning. When you were my last thought as I fell asleep. Take us back to the seasons where we would read your word and tears would fall on the pages. Take us back to the seasons where we would just listen to worship music in our car and feel your presence. Lord, take us back to our first love. In Jesus' name, we're here to exalt you. We're here to worship you. We're here to honor you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, it's all about you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, more than what you can do for us, we want you, Jesus. More than purpose, we want presence. More than breakthrough, we want your face. Like Moses in Exodus 33, we say, God, show us your glory. Show us your face, Jesus. We're here to exalt you. We're here to lift your name high. We're here to love on you today. We honor you, Jesus. 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 Jesus. Like oil upon your feet. Like wine for you to drink. Like water from my heart, I pour my love on you. It praises like perfume, I lavish mine on you. Till every drop is gone, I'll pour my love on upon your feet.
just pour out your praise. Just pour out your praise. Just pour out your praise. Yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on. Like wood upon your feet. Pour out our praise on you.
As we lift your holy name, you deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift, sing that again. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. Deserve the glory and the honor. We lift our hands and sing, You are great. Cause You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like You. There is no.
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Oh, we bless you. Pastor, can I pray for you guys? Yeah. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for a man of God and a woman of God. We bless them now. Oh, we thank you for fresh wind in their sails. I hear Holy Spirit saying, we were designed as pastors to lay at the foot of the throne of God. God started showing me the other day that there are a lot of pastors who have tried to climb onto the throne themselves <laughs> and become the God who is worshiped. And I just hear Holy Spirit saying, he has seen you lay at the foot of the throne and not try to climb up onto it. And I'm reminded of when Solomon was building the temple. And to commemorate the temple, they began to worship. And the Bible says the glory of God filled the room so significantly that the ministers weren't even able to minister. And I just hear Holy Spirit saying that because of your faithfulness to not need the spotlight, I'm going to fill this house with my glory. Thank you for people of your glory. Thank you for people of your power. Oh, you've been crying out for it. You've been longing for it. You've been striking the ground. God says, keep striking the ground. Sooner or later, you're going to have a head-on collision with every dream you've been believing for in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the dreams. I even feel like, Pastor, I don't, I don't know, but I, I almost feel like even before you were saved, you received prophetic words and had dreams of revival. And, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are uncovering those dreams again and releasing your glory in a fresh way in Jesus' name. I declare fresh strength in Jesus' name, fresh faith in Jesus' name. And the thoughts are going from, will we ever see it? Will we ever see it? Will we ever see it? To when are we going to see it? It's on its way. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for a fresh fight. I pray in Jesus' name that you would raise up warriors around them. Raise up people that will stand and hold their arms up. Lord, we know the sacrifice of ministry is great. But God, we ask you that you're sending people to surround them. Lord, you're sending errands and you're sending uh, people, God, just to hold up their arms, God. And I thank you that as their arms are held up, that the forces of the enemy would be broken and shattered. God, you're breaking strongholds in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that there are, um, there have even been like generational patterns in parents and grandparents and, uh, and, and even great-grandparents and God says it stops with you. It stops with you. It stops with you. And I break the fear that it's going to pass off to your kids. I break the fear that your kids are going to grow resentful of ministry. I break the fear in Jesus' name. Am I wasting my life? Am I wasting my time? God, I thank you that there is a mission and a mandate. Lord, that this even this church name is a prophetic declaration of the great commission that you've given us. And we thank you for disciples in Plano. We thank you for disciples in this city. And we ask you in Jesus' name 
to fill them afresh in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. One more time with our hands lifted. Can we just worship the Lord?